most people don't realize is that, uh, and we'll tell you right now that we've already done about 15 minutes worth of show. We just didn't record it. And then after the show, we do another 15 or 20 minutes, which we don't record. Although all of it is swing thoughts. I'm Howard, uh, golf spiritual leader. And of course, Coach Tim is here. I uh, I made my girlfriend laugh the other day. I said, you know, I'm like a philosopher, you know. And she just, she just, she just, she just looked at me. She's like, what are you talking about? I said, I am. I'm like a philosopher. She goes, well, you're you're philosophical. But, I, but she said, I would hardly say you're like Descartes. And uh, and then she started, yeah. And then she started rhyming off a bunch of philosophers. And I was like, okay, oh whatever. Yeah, I heard of uh, those guys. I heard of them. Well, uh, that's Sartre, fella. Sartre, Jean-Paul Sartre. I knew him. Uh, welcome to Swing Thoughts, everybody. Uh, Tim and I are wearing uh, cloth- clothing from JW Apparel Inc. Uh, looking good there, Coach. Once again, uh, right back at you. Once again, I think we are... Well, I think we're in the blue arena, are we? <laughs> and, and we, full disclosure... Uh, Tim just had his second vaccination. Was it yesterday, the day before? Wednesday? Wednesday. Yeah. And uh, you weren't feeling great yesterday. I had, uh, I got uh, food poisoning Wednesday night. And uh, I was uh, as sick as I've been. I haven't been that sick. I don't think I've thrown up like that. In, in so long, I forgot how, uh, I thought I forgot how to do it. <laughs> Like my uh, my throw up game is rusty. Yeah. Anyway, there's a bad joke. The guy's like on a ship and he's throwing up, and some guy says, "says uh, you got a weak stomach, eh?" The guy says, "What do you mean? I'm throwing it as far as that guy." <laughs> uh, That's a great old dad joke. I love that. Uh, JW Apparel Inc. Uh, Fairway and Green Zero Restriction B Dratty EPNY Garb and so much more. And, of course, our very good friends at TaylorMade Golf. Good Lord. What is going on with these golf balls? The TP5 golf balls, no matter what shot you need to pull to pull off, hit TP5, the one ball designed to handle it all. The all-new TaylorMade TP5 and TP5X from TaylorMade. Um, you know the, uh, I guess they're called picks, the one with all yep. the little things on? You know... I use a TP5 in play, but I like the picks when I practice putting. Because I like the it picks it, as a provo. The what? As a provisional. Because <laughs> everyone knows it's yours. That's right. No, it's a good one. Um, no, but I like putting with it because it gives you the, such a great feedback of uh, is your ball sort of rolling end over end. And uh, uh, find out more and visit tailormadegolf.ca. Okay. Yeah, I can tell I'm, uh, I'm definitely a little weak. Breathe, young man. You, yeah. So, are you going to better part of valor and not name the establishment that provided your Chinese food? That uh, no, no, no. I, you know, I, 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 um, it's not their fault. I'm. It is their fault, actually. But, um, you know, I've ordered food from there a dozen times. And, yeah, uh, that's, anyway. that's what I was curious about. Anyway, but uh, I, uh, you know, it's the kind of thing where I was. It just makes you instant. I feel like I instantly had the flu, and I still do feel a little bit fluish. But let's press on, everybody. We got a, a great show for you today. We had another guest lined up. This is a couple times now where uh, Adam Young from the, uh, what is this golf podcast called? The uh, Adam Young podcast. Is that it? 
All right. I don't know. Well, he does it with that fella, that other fella, John Sherman. John Sherman from Practical Golf. So the two of them do a podcast. Both of them now have bailed on us. And, and again, no big deal. Adam got sick. John had a, a family thing. But we're going to get them both back on um, because this uh, podcast uh, continues. Uh, next week, we're not going to be doing one. Uh, I'm going to the cottages. We're following week on the 30th. We'll do a podcast. Tim's away. No, I'm sorry. The 23rd, we'll do one. Yep. And then Tim's away on the 30th, and then we're back at it for a few weeks, and uh, we'll take you through the season. When is the is the Olympics starting? Uh, will they be on while we're... Uh... Wow. Yeah. Um, that This shows my amount of interest in Olympic golf. Um, yeah, I didn't watch I'm, one I'm second of it. I, I watched part of it in the last one, but <clears throat> I don't know. All I know is that the Open Championship is next weekend. Right. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. I, I didn't watch one round or shot from the uh, 2016 games that Justin Rose won. I, I just didn't have any interest in it at the time. Uh, as far as the Open goes, I'm always excited to watch that. I won't get a chance to see it till uh, Sunday when I'm back. But I'll watch it. I like, I like watching the final round of majors. I like that. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> that's like on calendars in our house. Yeah, it's like Sandy goes. No, don't ask Tim to be involved in anything. Yeah, good for her. We're not going to go have coffee with anyone. No, there's no there's no brunchies and no domestic chores. <laughs> I love that about her. Um, let's get started because I I, I want to take uh, a few seconds to talk about your putting and your chipping webinar because I want to bring it back to the tournament that we both played in. Uh, last week and just how yeah and then i'm gonna sort of segue i'm just giving you all the things i'm gonna segue into what shooting lower scores is all about and then we're gonna do a club championship uh prep for tim which i think will be of value to uh everyone and then maybe we'll finish off with a a quick story about uh, another round of significance Mm -hmm. so what is going on tell why don't you take take the floor mr o'connor and and let us all know what uh what you've been up to with this webinar is and all that stuff. Yeah, well, um, I launched two things this summer uh, through doing webinars and a workshop that I've been doing for a couple of years on putting. I thought, how do we take this kind of to a next a next level for people? And so I developed an online course. It's six weeks. I've been meeting with uh, three fellas uh, doing it, and it's really, really fun. And so we meet every Tuesday night for about an hour or 20. And we're talking about different aspects of putting, dealing with, sh- you know, short putts, gauging distance, uh, all that, all that kind of thing. And also, uh, with Nate Robinson, who's, uh, the director of golf at Rattlesnake Point, we did uh, a quiet mind short game workshop. I handled the putting part. He handled the short game. What the commonality uh, around this is that. And, and this harkens back to the premise that we have when we first start our show is that we can knock five strokes off your game without changing your technique at all. And, and I'm not saying that's exactly what we promised, but, but that's generally the premise. And people are amazed, whether it be on my online group or at the workshops, is that when they can step outside of all the nonsense that goes on in their heads about, oh my gosh, if I don't make this two footer, I'll look like an idiot, you choker, or what's very common is people are 
you know, working on something, you know, I got to keep my head still, got to accelerate all that. And when they can press pause on that thinking through some interesting exercises that we do in these workshops, they find that they're just so freed up and they're actually friends. The feedback we're getting is their friends are going like something different about you and they're putting better and they're having more fun and it's, it's easier because they're just, they're not so much in their heads as we've, I described earlier, they're just putting with a degree of freedom and with whatever stroke they're bringing to it. So can you give us an example of um, some of the things, the exercises that you're doing? Okay. Well, the classic one is the retinal after image exercise, which we've talked about on this show. So uh, I'll give you a very brief description of how it works. And you can also find, I do a log on my YouTube, on my YouTube channel. There is a, um, I did a whole piece on, on how it works, but basically, um, you, you look down at the golf ball and you find something that's really, really can hold your attention. It could be the sunlight shining off a dimple. It could be, uh, the tea and tailor made or something. Um, and then what you do is you just move the ball, but you look where you were, you don't move your eyes from where they were focused. And when you do this, Afterwards, you see an image, an after image, like this, usually this little sort of gray or dark, small little circle. Anyways, what you do then is that you putt with your sole objective is to see that after image. So you could be putting to try and make it, you know, say a three or four footer. This is on a practice screen. You're not really, you're not focused on trying to make it. You are focused on looking at the after image. Right. What this does is it distracts your conscious mind. You, there's, you cannot be thinking about anything like, you know, uh, trying to make the putt, folk, uh, technique, anything. And through this and similar types of exercises, golfers find that they like, holy crap, I can still putt really well. And in fact, I can putt better because most of these people who participate in these things are avid golfers who've played for decades they know how to putt so it's not like there's it's not their stroke that's the problem it's generally that their minds are are so caught up that they're not even present to what they're doing they, their body can't organize itself to make a good stroke but when you remove all the thinking and all that you You'd be amazed how you freed up and how much better your putting is. You know, essentially, uh, you're taking the focus off the out, the outcome and the result, and you're putting it on something you can control. Because I've done this exercise with you, without you. I mean, I, I do it from time to time just to remind myself that I, I can do it. But it does take some of the onus off, is the putt going to go in or is it going to miss? And puts it on something that I go, oh, well, there's that image. And, uh, and uh, you know, I think anyone listening that hasn't tried it should try it. Um, yeah, I'm going to, I'm, you know, I'm, it's funny because I do it from time to time. Whenever I'm struggling, I say that in uh, quotation marks. Whenever my putting isn't where I want it to be. Um, I find that frees me up. It takes some of the pressure off trying to get the ball in the hole and more on the on the image. Can I see it or didn't I see it? 
Yeah, absolutely. The the universal response that I get from players is that like, holy cow, I have been working so hard <laughs> for years on how to do it right. It's amazing how many golfers there are who have never taken a putting stroke or a chip or a full shot without having some kind of thought yeah. that I must do this with my body, you know, hold my wrist this way, transfer my weight. But when you do these types of exercises, and it's all building on awareness, um, they're amazed at how well they can they can perform because the body and and the brain are are amazing. I mean, I'm not I could pontificate for hours on this, but um, this part of us is like the product of millions of years of evolution. It does amazing stuff. Uh, it's like you know I've talked about a few times. Let's say you're walking, you know, in the winter and you slip on some ice and your body like suddenly balance itself. That's incredible. Or even think about walking down a set of stairs. In some ways, you're kind of hurt. You're kind of stepping out into space, you know, to get that. And your body can do that. And it's the same way your body can figure out how to hit a putt the correct distance. Yeah. And on the right line to get it into a hole in the same way you can play catch with someone. You know, one of the things we, I do at the workshop, I was, there's always someone who says, well, I'm not much of an athlete. And I say, can I play a game with you? And says, yeah, sure. So I'll, I'll just throw him a golf, him or her a golf ball. And then I'll start to kind of walk around almost like a, a wide receiver in football, mm-hmm. you know, and I'll go here, lead me here, throw it up here, down here, get close, get far away. They get it to me every time and so how do you do that you know how do you how does your body figure out how to hit it the exact distance every time because uh to be really technical and uh, scientific your body's really fucking amazing <laughs> easy now o'connor come on come on o'connor with your language your sauce i love how if you go back and listen to what you've said so far the first time you said holy cow i think and then you said holy crap and then you throw the f-bomb like just like you always work isn't up it, to it i like that being about emphatic you. isn't that like, no i know isn't that like good writing the um the system you're talking about is called your proprioceptor system. Did you know that? There you go. It's the uh, the proprioceptor system is the way your body knows where it is in space and when it, and how it can identify objects in space without and that the uh, most famous example I can think of is if uh, you know you close if you look at something and and then go let's say you're you know you're looking at your computer screen if you touch the top of your cons- computer screen with your eyes open then take your hand away and put it close your eyes and then go and touch it again that's that's how your body knows it feels where it is in space you know every golf shot that we hit that is um let's say uh on a spectrum of uh horrible to great all the horrible ones have so little to do with how good your technique is and more to do with how much interference you're you're bringing to it and all the good ones, the ones that we hit that feel like nothing, and what that nothing feeling is no interference. That's what that is. And for years, you know, we'd all hit a good shot and go, oh, man, you know, I just wish I could replicate that feeling. And we thought, I thought, that in order to replicate that feeling, I just had to groove my motion over and over exactly. and over again. Totally. But that's not it. It's the... 
you know, the, the higher number of good shots you'll hit in today's round have so much less to do with, you know, how you were hitting it on the range or the YouTube thing you saw or some technique your buddy told you and more to do with, you know, a, a combination of a few things. But the number one thing is just how how unfettered and how much interference you can eliminate. Um, the reason, though, that people have more of that, say, around the green, because as we get closer to the green and we get closer to the flag and we're only three feet from it, then our expectations go way up, man. Like, we know, you're, at the, you're on a tee and there's 70 yards uh, between hazards. You can just kind of flail away. And, you know, some, you know, as long as you're not out of play, you're sort of okay. But when you're three feet from the hole, the outcome, the outcome, your desire is very specific. Oh, yeah. And, you, and it's like, so, yeah, you, 70 yards and you, you hit one off to the right somewhere. Your your friends go, oh, that's okay. The green opens up from there. Yeah, yeah. You great angle foot, from there. It's a three-foot putt. And it's like, whoa. Ew, everyone looks away. <laughs> well, and that's, exactly. that's why. You can't hit a three-foot putt and, and then you go, oh, I healed it or I thinned it. <laughs> You know, exactly. You know, but you can, you know, smother hook a drive and still be in play and have a chance to play the rest of the hole. This is the point. Yeah, you won't be. Yeah, if you smother hook a drive and, and, uh, I don't know. It depends on when you hit it. Um, but just the degree of, of, of self talk, self flagellation, <laughs> uh, immolation, blood pressure. Oh, yeah. Related to a drive versus missing three foot putts. Um, the, the putts definitely. Uh, cause more havoc. I just wanted to say quickly that you hear people talk about all the time they want to be consistent. They want to be consistent. And if you put even the best putters in the world on one of those SAM putting machines, yep. every putt is different because our bodies are, are, are not meant, they're, they're not like robots. So, and you know, some of the best examples in history were uh, Bobby Locke, the South African who basically hooked every putt. You know, he he kind of he put top spin on it the way he came over it. Billy Mayfair cut all his putts. Yeah. And then you, but so many of these golfers um were self-taught. All most of the best the greatest champions through history were self-taught. Mo Norman, not a major champion, but <laughs> fairly good ball striker, right? Uh uh Hogan, um Byron Nelson, etc. all self-taught. And so I guess maybe what I'm coming to with that is my sense is that people through being more present to your own experience, feeling what's actually happening as you stroke a putt or hit a chip, um, you learn through that. And you know, experimenting, say, with uh, in pitching or chipping with ball position, you have a little forward, a little back. Oh, I see it works better here when my hands are this far forward or this far back. Through your own experience, you start to like, oh yeah, okay, yeah. But you have well, to be. I, I, but if you're thinking about trying to do it right, you know, applying the as you said the the tip you saw on YouTube, and you're thinking about it, you're you're unfortunately when you're thinking you're disconnected from your body. So that's it's it's that awareness of what you're actually doing as opposed to thinking your way through it. You know, I would say there's a caveat. <clears throat> excuse me. There's a bit of a caveat to what you said. And, and, and it's not that I disagree, but I would say this. You can't feel your body 
you can't be body awareness to becoming a better chipper if you don't put the time in. I don't care how many seminars you take and how aware you are. If you don't put the time in, that it's useless. I mean, Tim, what I'm trying to say is Tim's not a magician. He's not going to make you a better, you know, uh, chipper and pitcher and putter unless you go and do it. What, the point you said about, you know, experimenting by yourself, you know, you know, I, I, not everyone can generate enough speed to hit a golf ball 300 yards. But all of us have the ability to be better putters and better pitchers and chippers. But it takes some time. And I can tell you, you know, you, you know, I have my buddy Stan, who is my dog who interrupts us <laughs> once in a while. Almost, I, I'm not going to say every day, but there are very few days, even in the winter, that I don't take that dog out to this special place that we have where I can hit pitch shots, chip shots, spin shots off, every kind of lie there is. There, there isn't many days that I'm not pitching and chipping a golf ball. So when I have a shot the other night, yes, I'm, you know, I'm reading the lie, and, but I, I have a confidence that I've hit thousands of these shots. Mm-hmm. I, as far as ball position and those things, yes, I've experimented with them. I'm just trying to say that Tim's technique and the, the methodology we're talking about are 10 out of 10. But you have to put some time in. You know, and I would say, and, we, and we've talked about this a thousand times in this show, if you don't spend 60 percent, 50 to 60 percent, I'd say more, but mm-hmm. if you don't spend the predominance of your time on your short game, then you're not really trying to shoot lower scores. You just want, you say you are, but you're not really trying to. Because this is the year, okay, here it comes. This is the year I have spent more time on my stats, on stat entry than I ever have as a golfer uh, because of, wait for it, decade. And I can Ooh, clearly, there. I know, <laughs> I can clearly see, I wish I could share my screen, but it's yours. And it doesn't matter. I, I can show you my statistics and I'm I'm my short game and putting are where I'm gaining all my strokes. And uh, and it's not just because I'm a, you know, scratching over whatever handicap you are, you will gain huge amount of strokes gained in your game by being better at that stuff. And it's not that it's like, you know, I, I, I would I guess I'm not the caveat is. You know, take Tim's webinar and, and attend one of his seminars, but go away and work on it. Totally. Well, what you're in essence saying, self-coach yourself. And the way you can do that, the only way you can do that is spend the time. Um, we need to have another sound for every time I mention Fred Shoemaker, which is at least once a show. I guess you could do yeah, that. Not, you, don't, you don't mention Shoemaker. Anywhere near as much as I've mentioned decade the last three months. Um, but, but anyways, no, the point I just wanted to make before I forget it is uh, Fred has this great line. He says, he says, the reason I play better golf than the rest of you, this is when he's giving a workshop or something. He says, because I have a higher awareness. Yeah. And that's through having done it hit thousands of shots and you, you look at anyone who's excels at anything um, you know a, a concert violinist they play constantly someone who's who's great with investing they spend their time That's doing right. that work so you have greater awareness um, 
I think that lit. There's something there. Well, I, I will tell you that awareness comes from um, from putting your time in. But I also think, and I, I think I mentioned this to you on a show, or maybe we were just talking. But what what this what this program that I've been working, I won't mention their name. What it does for anybody <laughs> is it ups your golf IQ. Yeah, and. The biggest difference I find playing with even I'm not talking about high handicap golfers, higher handicap golfers than me. What I see when I observe the way they play the game, and this is going to lead into our Tim O'Connor Club uh, C prep. But what I see higher handicap players than me is that their golf IQs aren't as aren't as, as acute there and, and in your terms you would say their awareness isn't but you can be aware and still not know the shot to play at that moment and what the company uh, that rhymes with mecade does is it it helps give you some golf iq points yeah um because of a system and you know it's like it's not like it's taken the artistry out of my game, but I I don't make any more decisions on my own. I just make decisions based on what is the optimum shot here and what are my expectations from this moment. And I don't think I've talked enough about that in terms of if you're in the rough from 175 yards. And when I look at my decade, hang on. When I look at my decade card and it says from the rough at 175 yards on the PGA Tour, their stroke average is above three. So if you've, you know, you're on a par four and you're 175 in, well, on tour, they make they, they take more than it's like 3.12 strokes from that moment. So knowing that you may not go for the pin, you might just say, OK, if I get this somewhere near the green or on the green, I'm mission accomplished. If you're a 12 handicapper and you're 175 from the rough, you're likely going to make bogey or worse. You just are. So those golf IQ points can help anybody. And they kind of marry in what you're saying in terms of by repetition and, you know, Fred's point, you have a higher awareness of what you can do, but also a higher awareness of what is likely your outcome. And let me finish by giving you a great example. The other night I had a terrible shot. On a par three, I just was in between clubs. And sometimes when I'm in between, I, I decelerate and I sort of flip hook it. And I'd be just better off to take the lower club and hit it harder. I, I just should. But mm-hmm. I didn't. And so I pull hooked it 25 yards left. And I know this because I, I paced it off. And it was a difficult pitch. And all I was trying to do was get it on the green and give myself a 10-foot, 6-foot, 8-foot, whatever. But I was really, really specific about where I wanted the ball to land. And you know what? Luck, luck turned my way and it ended up a foot from the hole. But I wasn't trying to hit it a foot from the hole. Awareness. I knew because mm-hmm. of the decade, um, because of decade, I know that I shouldn't expect it to be any closer than 10 feet. So I'm like, great. Anything in the 10-foot range is a win for me. So all the pressure of trying to hit it close was taken away. And because of my awareness of that shot, I just made a nice swing. I, I made sure I got the ball on the green. And again, luck took over and I hit it close. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's the marrying of awareness and, um, and strategy. 
and exp- and, and and mainly handling your expectations. Totally. Yeah. And that manifests itself in a you're more relaxed. Yes. Emotions are, oh, my gosh, I hope we get this close because it means so much. Right. When everything's just a bit more chill, you can just make a smoother stroke and everything becomes easier. And, and so much of golf is solid contact. Yes. And when you can hit the ball more solid, everything gets better. And that you cannot hit the ball. The, the, the greatest cause of, of mishits in golf is unwanted muscular tension. Yeah. And so if you can just make a, a, a kind of a free swing, I mean, you think of it, you know, what's what's probably the best swing you make all day when you're hitting a layup shot? I mean, woo, I down there. Great contact. Yeah. Um, it's By the way, I'll just before we leave pitching and chipping, what Tim just said about solid contact, man, if you can if you can hit the center of your wedges around the green, it is such a, a big difference, like a, a, like a version of me. Howard Glassman. Uh, a few years ago, I would have had that shot and I would have tried to flop it because it was in that kind of position. It wasn't a short pin, but it was the kind of I had to hit it up uh, a bank and then let it release down to the hole. But no part of me the other night was like trying to flop this shot because I didn't need to because I didn't. I wasn't trying to make. I wasn't trying to do more than I needed to do. I was and and, and I was already in the mindset of I'm way out of position. I'll accept a bogey here. What I don't want to do is two chip it, and now I've got to get it up and down for bogey. Yeah, and ouch. And and this is going to lead into uh, your your club C prep in a few minutes. But you know, there's nothing wrong with making bogeys, and there's nothing wrong with making soft pars. You know, and again, when I play with guys, again, not just. I'm not talking about 15 handicap. I play a lot of golf with guys in the 4 to 10 handicap range that are forcing things they don't need to. And and what I've learned over time, not just from you know what, but from Henrik and a few other people is there's nothing wrong with soft pars and soft bogeys because for good players like you and you're you know you're a guy that wants to do well in competition, if you could just eliminate double bogeys you're going to lower your score. So let's take um, last Monday. We played, uh, Tim and I played in a 27-hole tournament. So there's three nine-hole sections. And um, for reasons I can't explain, I remember, I think I remember what you shot. I think you shot, let me just try it. I think you shot 44, 42, 40. Something like yep. that. Yep. Close enough. So was the first one 44, though? Yes, and the last one was 40. Yeah. I can't remember how to add fractions, but I remember that. So in the, in the, and what was, so you got better as each nine wore on, but I'll bet you in that round of 44, you had a double bogey or two. Actually, it's interesting. Zero double bogeys. Uh, Just a massive first, amount of bogey. <laughs> a massive amount of bogey. So it, uh, what it was, was, um, uh, I just I I think I had four three putts in about greens were tough that day, man. Five or six holes. I just you know it was a whole thing. I was playing with two guys from Rattlesnake Point, and it was like, um, where's the goddamn escarpment? Yeah, <laughs> you know it's a that's tough the place. thing about Glen Karen. And you know we we're playing in the Glen Karen Invitational. Well, I did a little shout out to Mike Bondy, friend of ours. Uh, 
he that's his event that he runs and organizes he does such a great job i just yeah. think it's it's and i was thrilled for mike because he uh he had a great he had a played great he did yes yeah played great finished second again he finished yeah. second to me in the uh, club championship and he finished in second the geezer, uh, in, in the, the geezer, geezer invitational and then yeah. he finished second to the guy that i beat in the club championship so we're calling mike the uh, great bridesmaid all week you know <laughs> He looked great and like some frills. Yep. Um, okay. Where was I? With so you're three okay. putting a lot. So my ball striking was great. I was hitting every green, but um, I just, it was, I think it was a combination of where's the damn escarpment, but also that I was not adjusting to the speed. Yeah, they were quick. Um, I, I just was not for, I don't know. I mean, going into most club C's, it's like they generally run faster. I had zero awareness. So I, I had sense that, what was happening to me, and this is my default, and this is why I'm a coach and obsessed golfer, is that my default is to kind of come inside a bit of my head. And I say, oh, am I just not releasing to the target or whatnot, as opposed to um, just adapting to the conditions that were in front of me. Yeah. And um, and it started to come along a lot better when I remembered um, you talking about how um, it's a very interesting concept that you're not trying to make it a AK force it any yeah. kind of putt. Just get it down there, and if it kind of you know kind if of the hole gets down in there, the way, tap in is a bit short. That's fine. And so my round started to get better, better. The um, the forty three actually I shot in the middle round was I played really well, but I just I had two doubles and you know the fescue there and all that. So I played my. The last two nine holes, I played really well. I but just well, kinda. and the thing is, you played really well the first nine. They, if you if you shot eight over with four three putts, well, you know the, what what the uh, again decade um, is the idea of under anything over fifteen feet. You really shouldn't be trying to jam the thing in the hole because totally. those three putts all come from speed control. Hundred percent. You know. I'm at the point now, in fact, I had a great, I had a conversation with one of the decade guys last night, Lou Stagner, who's become a buddy of mine, and uh, nice. he's, the, he's a, a stats nerd. <clears throat> we were just talking about make rates and, you know, strategy around longer putts and, you know, really anything around 15 to 20 feet and beyond, because I was showing him my stats, you need to leave most of those putts or try to leave most of those putts short because... By trying to leave a 30-footer short, I'm not talking about 10 feet short. I'm talking about rather than getting it to the hole and, you know, the Dave Pelt's making it run 17 inches by. The problem is at a longer distance, that 17 inches becomes 3 feet and 4 feet. And if you misread the putt, the escarpment, or the, the greens are fast, now you're 6 feet by. And so by trying to leave it short, it the way I look at those putts now is if I have a 30-foot putt that's downhill and I know it's fast, I, I, I putt it like it's a 20-foot putt. And what I'm trying to do is I pick a spot three or four feet short of the hole, and I'm trying to lag it to there. And then if it keeps rolling, bonus. Totally. But that's kind of my, my point of aim. Now, I had some three putts that day. I uh, played 27 holes. I had uh, four three putts. And uh, two of them were fifty-five foot putts. I, I I hit them with I hit them six feet or so, so well within 
sort of the the way you look at it in the, in the strategy world is you know it's ten percent. If you can get a sixty foot putt within six feet, you've done a pretty good job because that's cool. about average. That's interesting. So I would just quick hang on your thought. That's what I love about this decade stuff is picking up little nuggets yeah. like that. <clears throat> The the 10% thing, that's very cool. So if you've got a 30-foot putt, you're trying to get it within three feet. That's a job well done. Mm. So it, I had a couple putts, 155 and 160, that I hit to five or six feet and just lipped those putts out. So they were good putts that, you know, luck had it, that it didn't go in, it could have. But I had a couple of putts that were uncharacteristic. They were 18 and 22 feet that I was trying to make. And by trying to make them... I put myself four feet past on a bit of a ridge. And even though I play there, you know, I'm not going to make all those. and I miss them. The drag of it is, had I not three putted, I would have won because I'm, I finished fourth three back. Now, mm. I made some nice putts, so it all ends up, you know, it all works out in the end. You know, I made some good five and six footers to save par, etc. But it just goes to show you something that is imminently controllable by everybody, which is your putting can have such a big impact on your score because let's take your scores in the first round you shoot 39 or 40 in the second round let's say you put three putted once or twice you shoot 41 you don't make a double you shoot 38 you see what i mean like there's a couple things that impact scores that have nothing zero to do with your golf swing let me just put a pin on that for a second isn't it interesting and i know you find this too whenever i ask somebody or whenever somebody asks you how you're playing, what they're really asking you is, and what is how's your golf swing? What are you working on? It, it, when, when I ask somebody, hey, how's it going? How are you playing? They immediately answer with, I'm doing something. I'm working with Nick. This is what I'm doing. And I'm fascinated by that because it has nothing to do with your gameplay. And the culture and the, of golf. The, it is the culture of golf. So all the things that Coach Tim and I are talking about are imminently um, workable. And they don't have to, you don't have to go to the range to work on your short game and your putting. Because they have such a big impact on your score. We're just going to let that all settle in. Because yeah, because I'm, uh, I'm struggling here. <laughs> are you feeling okay here? Yeah, I'm a little weak. queasiness in the stomach? Or Not you're... queasy, I'm just weak. I'm just weak. No, I get it. I get it. Yeah. But we're, bo- yeah, we're both kind of like working on, maybe I'm getting up to 70% of normal. <laughs> well, let's, normal. so I think you, um, you know, like, I know that you don't play as many tournaments, but, you know, that's a good tournament to play in. And, you you know, you those are all good scores. It's like, there were lots of scores higher than yours. And, and oh, you know, yeah, tournament golf is tough. really struggled. Well, that golf course, I mean, whenever you get fescue, Oh yeah! It just oh, it makes it so difficult. Which is it? So it's not unlike playing a course like uh, Horseshoe Valley near Barrie. I mean, that's like playing in a bowling alley. Oh, I'm yeah. not sure if they've taken some trees down, but um, you know, when it's so, it seems kind of tight. When you put it into the fescue, it's frustrating. And I know a guy who a great great player who really struggled, and I could tell he he was one of those guys. He had to come back. On a whole, he, you know, they, they did like the three-minute search in the fescue. He has to do the drive of shame back, and we all, all got to wait. And, you know, he makes a hurried swing and hits it into a bunker. It takes him two to get out. Oh, oh yeah. It just, it just compounds itself on your, on your psyche. 
and it just oh things speed up and it's oh my god well and that's why i'm so um adamant that if you can just make bogey like if you get in trouble you know even though my seminar is called pathways to par if you can just <laughs> if you can if you can just make bogey and and double when you're in real trouble you know what i mean like yeah. Like, there's nothing wrong. What, what, like, I played with a really, I played with two really, really good players. I played with one guy that has been a good golfer since before you and I were born, and another guy that two years ago or three years ago won the Ontario Senior Am. So these are fine players. And uh, my buddy Lars, who was the guy, you know, he used to be a pro. He yeah. was my uh, partner in the shootout a couple weeks ago. I, I played some golf with this guy, tournament golf. On one hole, <clears throat> he just got... He just got a ball in the wrong spot. And he makes an eight. An eight. The guy probably hasn't made an eight, you know, since he was eight. <laughs> but but just watching it unfold, I was a little surprised that he that he took the chance that he did. Because it, it because in that moment, and you mentioned it a second ago, you get kind of spiraling, right? And things start to speed up and pretty soon you're like, Jesus, I just made an eight. Why? Yep. And, and the real reason is because in the middle of it, you just didn't stop and go, okay. You know, like the guy came back, as you described, he's got to hit off the tee again, but rather than hit it in the bunker, what if he had just hit a necked, necked one out to the left? You know, so he would have ended up making a double bogey instead of the quad or the the nine that he did make. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's just at the end of the round, those four shots or five shots or whatever it is, you know? Yeah, again, so yeah, we so we come back to awareness. What's actually happening? What am I thinking about? What's the situation? You know, what you know, and so what's awareness? It's <laughs> it's awareness of what's happening now. What am I thinking of? What's going on? What am I feeling in my body? And a lot of times we are not aware. We're not aware we got a death grip going on. We're not aware of this decision we are gonna make to try and hit it, you know. On, on this line so we get it over this bunker and I get it on the green well you know can I hit that eight times out of ten and make sure that happens probably not so the awareness part is huge in terms of just like taking a step back and often it's just as easy as just take a breath or two go what's happening here all right what's the smart play what am i feeling here all right i'm not feeling confident about this shot but you know what if i wedge it back into the fairway no problem absolutely um so i'm just really eager given your success mm. three out of the last four times you have been the champion of the geezer division of your club c and i'm about to embark on mine yes i've got uh, this- music for this by the way Okay, well, Here then we I'll go. just hand it over to you because you got it all. Time after time. Tim is the champion of the world. This section is called Senior Club C Preparation. I've made a few. Um, I'm going to start yeah, the. kind of emotional. It is. When it first came out, I didn't want to see it. I'm but sorry. I did see it. It is a great movie. Yeah. No, I, I resisted it. 
I did. Re- Remy Malik is so good as uh, Freddie Mercury. It's uh, it's ridiculous. Yeah, but I read. But I'm, you know, as you may know, I have baggage as a former music critic, and I read other music critics' musings, and they said that nah, that's not what really happened with Queen. So yeah. in my literal way, I didn't. But I finally watched it, and amazing movie. Yeah, because music critics, you know, they're all. Anyway, doesn't matter. <clears throat> oh no, I, I invite you to finish your thought. No. Um, <laughs> here's the thing: I, I don't know anything about acting. Except a couple times in movies I've seen people do things And I go, oh, that's what a good actor is Like you go, oh Because a lot of times you see people in movies and TV shows And you think, oh, they're just acting like themselves But uh, Remy Malik is so good as this Freddie Mercury Do you ever see a movie um, about uh, Stephen Hawking? Um, Matter of Moment of Time or whatever that movie is No, I didn't You should see that Because there's this kid, Eddie Red- Redmayne or whatever He plays... Oh, yeah. uh, Hawking And again it's There's a moment In that movie Where you go Oh That's what a real actor is um, yeah. Anyway No no I Just quick Just quick I watched Interstellar Last night With Matthew McConaughey Okay I Hadn't watched it In about 10 years My son Sean Wanted to watch it So we all settled in And when I watched That movie for the second time I could see why He's the guy That Lincoln <laughs> Got to do their ads Because it's always Like he's always On the porch there Oh, it's the dusk of humanity. <laughs> well, we'll have to try our best. Did you fertilize the back 40? <laughs> it's um, always this. You know, I don't think I've seen that movie. Oh, it's amazing. All right. Well, this is the There's movie recommends uh, portion of the show. Hey, okay, we've touched albums, golf, mu- movies. Hey, yeah. let's get back to golf. Uh, so uh, your tournament is uh, tomorrow and Sunday? Yeah. You're going to love this. Uh, and you might, you know, if you want to steal this for your seminars, go ahead. I call it Be an Advocate for Your Own Game. I'm writing this down. And the reason I say you need to be an advocate for your own game, and if you can just do that, if you can do that, you will, it, it will inform everything you do. And what I mean by that is this. You know, if uh, you want to like, if you want to get to the golf course earlier than your norm, you normally do, do it. If you want to like all the things you need to do for yourself, all the preparation, like make sure you know all the things like, you know, make sure you've got two water bottles. Make sure you've got some food. Make sure you've got, you know, go through your bag and make sure like it. You know, like if you need to find something, you could. Not like if you need to find a bandage, you're like scrambling in the middle of the round. You know what I mean? And and even though the little, you know, like the, the you know the uh, phrase, you know, the hackney, the devil's in the details. But by being an advocate, and I'm going to get to the bigger stuff in a second. But by being an advocate for every part of your game, what it will do is it will set you up in a way that you know that at least all the little stuff is taken care of. That you've got bars, you've got water, you've got everything, you've straightened out. You know, like um, our buddy Sean Casey does this with his kids. There's a list of things that you need to have taken care of before you go to the golf tournament. Mm -hmm. But the other thing, like for the both rounds of the club championship, I got there two hours before the round. Two hours. And... So I get there two hours before the round because I want to take my time getting my stuff out of the car, getting ready. 
doing I do like a At that point I was doing my, my stretching My Brooke Benny uh, Stretching routine Was 15 or 20 minutes And even though I was being mocked By all the guys On the range I didn't care I, I put my towel down And it did my cat cows Humping You know Because I'm in, Because I'm just like Fuck you guys I'm gonna do what I know Needs to be done So that I'm ready If you guys Absolutely. don't want to That's fine too and then I had a plan, literally to the minute, for what I was going to do. So I did my stretching for 15. I did my uh, first putting for 15 or 20 minutes. I just went and did speed putting. Then I go to the range and I did a, you know, I, I you know start with my routine, wedges. You know, and then I go to my 8-iron. Then I go to my 5-iron. Then my hybrid. I had it all planned out. Then I found out what hole I was starting on because of Glenn Karen, there's three nines. And um, and I hit some tee shots that I was going to need to hit, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Tim, to the I think I told you this. It was because at our club championship a couple weeks ago it was sweat sweltering, so I brought a I brought a second shirt. That's so I warmed up with that's one like shirt. Boy Scout preparation that you you'd earn a badge for that. Seriously, it's, it's funny because our my buddy. <laughs> I mentioned him before the show. My buddy Al Martin, he saw me warming up and then he was a few groups ahead of me and he said to me after the round, he said, I saw you from a, a couple of fairways away and I thought to myself, that motherfucker changed his shirt. <laughs> and I said, I, because, I, because I thought of every possible thing or I tried to think of every possible thing that I could do to give me every chance to be comfortable and ready to play. You know what? I'm just going to jump in. I'm going to just jump no, in that, I'm going to say, and that's what I want to say to you. Well, you know what? There's no. <laughs> you don't need to be a genius to figure this out. When people are prepared and they put in the time and that much forethought, that is a bedrock foundation for success. Like you've won it, you've won your geezer open three uh, club C. Three out of four times. Why? Because you create the conditions to play at your optimal. Does it mean you're always going to have uh, play great? No, but you put everything in place so that you give yourself the best opportunity. Right. And that's what I was trying to say. So, and, and the reason a lot of men, and you, you've done more work than, in this area than anyone I know, the reason a lot of men don't want to be an advocate for their own success is because there's kind of like a, well, you don't want to appear to be trying too hard and, you know, oh, you care too much. I'm going to tell you a quick story. So I'm on the range on, um, I guess, the uh, second round. So I'm in the last group and I'm getting ready and uh, there's a few people down the range, one guy in particular that I know, and he's being really loud, uncommonly so, making a lot of noise and he's joking around and I was like, hmm, that's not like him. Because what he was trying to do was get himself into a false um, mode of bravado or it doesn't really matter and this is just like any other round. And I'm thinking to myself, well, that guy's done. Literally, I, I mean, again, Nicholas, I'm not comparing myself to Jack. But Nicholas used to say that in major championships, most of the people he was going to play against had already eliminated themselves. And when I heard this guy making a bunch of noise and joking around, again, not his normal, I was like, well, that guy's done. That guy has yeah. no chance today. 
because he's doing something that's not in his character to try and make everyone think he doesn't really care about this. Fuck that shit. He was completely... And he, and he played like shit. Yep. And again, yeah, maybe I maybe to some people look like I was trying too hard or I was doing all this stuff. Like, who does Howard think he is? But as you say, you know, like... You know, I have finished pretty high in a lot of tournaments in the last three or four years, you know, because I because I've done because I've seen what other good players do. I've seen how they go about their business, whether it's Charles or Lars or, you know, Ashley Chinner or some of the guys I observe. And I'm like, oh, you know, and, and the last thing I'll say is don't back into it. There's there's a thing I used to do in tournament golf. <laughs> where I I would like I would like to try and get into the round and not have golf know I was there for a few holes. I love that. I, I, I love that. You know, and, and I remember, you know, feeling like if I just sort of sneak into the round, you know, maybe I can get into it before golf knows I'm here and I won't be all nervous. But the fact is we are nervous. And and I made a commitment to myself, and I wasn't going to back into it, that I was going to get up on the first tee and swing with as hard as I can, given the circumstances. Like, not try and steer it, to make a commitment. And so, for you people, not just Tim, but if you're, if you're preparing for an event, you know, Bryson DeChambeau does this thing where he hits, he makes a couple really hard practice swings. Yes, it's to prime... The speed, but it, a part of it is to prime the prime the freedom. And when I see p- good players, and I say I'm, I'm talking about decent to really good players, don't when I see them not make practice swings, it's like I see them. It's like golf trying to back into the shot, right? It's like mm, oh, okay, yeah, I don't know. Uh, um, anyways, finish your thought. Well, no, but I'm but I'm saying like take a practice swing because you're about to hit a shot, and 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 give yourself. The, the the permission to make a free swing. I'll tell you what, around the greens, if you're not making, I don't know, a half dozen practice swings with your putting with your chipping, I don't think you're ready to hit it. If you're not if you're not priming the ground and feeling the shot, but but definitely at the beginning of a tournament, you want to have the feeling as much as you can under the circumstances that you're just going to let it go and see what happens. So that's it. So, thank you for that. A lot of great, great stuff in that. Like a lot of that stuff is like T-shirt material. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want golf to know I'm here. <laughs> I think every golfer could understand that. You know, oh, just yeah. get up there. Let's get it in play. That's let's right. Not draw much attention to yourself. <laughs> That's right. You know, let's not make a mistake. Um, but I think what's very, very interesting about what you said was. And I, I, I don't know for, for women as much, but this culture of guys, like you said, you don't want to come across as like, I'm trying hard. I want to, you know, I want to win this. And um, a great example of that was, I forget the guy's name, but he had won, I think he had won like the Club C at North Halton five or six times. He had won the Club C at Blue Springs, maybe a similar number of times so I found this pretty fascinating and so I sat down and did an interview with him for uh, I think it was Club Link the Club Link magazine yeah yeah it was um, anyways and he talked about his his preparation like he about 
how he would the number of times he would leading up to the club C that he would get out to work on a short game I don't know two or three times a week um, a month before he would stop drinking beer uh, he would get to the course two hours and ensure that all his golf balls you know were marked his golf bag was completely clean yep. he vacuumed it out all this stuff and I thought it was a fascinating article. And I thought that all these guys would love it. And it was amazing to me how many guys read this article and went, well, that's that, that's way over the top. Yeah, exactly. Like, Stop drinking beer. Are you kidding me? Yep. And, you know, and, and I think the subtext to that was, was uh, wow, he's trying way too hard to win a freaking Club C. Who cares? And I, I thought, whoa. Like, I was frankly shocked by that. Because like I'm a I don't know my my thing is like um, someone who's successful at something I want to know what they're doing and instead all these guys mocked him and I thought it was just really strange but a definite eye opener in terms of uh, the culture of guys <laughs> well can uh, how that can work it, it's what I just told you like when I got there on yeah. Saturday on the first round when I got there that was two hours before my tea time. A few guys were getting ready to hit off. And they're like, "What time are you off?" And I said, "Oh, I'm, I'm in the last group at uh, ten fifty. And it was like ten. It was like I don't know two hours. And they're like, "I'm sorry, I can't do the math. Eight fifty. Yeah. Uh, and um, they sort of looked at me like, "What are you doing here so early?" The night before, I did that. I took all my clubs out, took everything out of my bag. I organized it again so that if I needed a bandaid, I'm serious. If I needed just some tape, I marked my balls. I cleaned my clubs. Because I just wanted, I just want that feeling of like, well, I've done everything I can. I printed the yard, I printed yardage books for my own golf course. I put in notations of, okay, this plays four up, and I had it there so that when I had one fifty seven, oh, it's plus four one sixty one. So I didn't have any of. Here's the thing: it doesn't mean you're going to win. I apologize. I really am not feeling great. I, it doesn't mean you're going to win. It just means that you don't have... What you've done by doing that is eliminating excuses when you lose. And that's what those guys don't want. They want to have, well, I was tired. I was out the night before. You know, I didn't really whatever. And they sort of think to themselves, you know, if I'd have just practiced, I probably could have won it. Well, I'm going to tell you, I've won five of them. And it doesn't mean anything between the National and Glen Karen. I've won five times. Club and, C's. Club C's. And, and, yeah. But what it means is forevermore there will be a notation that at some point in my life I was, you know, I was the club champion in those tournaments. So if that's what you want, which is kind of cool in the, in the world of golf, you get this legacy and, and such. You know, I mean, it comes with some baggage because now people are sick of me winning it. Which is fine. Um, but I don't care. And if you want to... Here's the thing. It's available for anybody. It just depends on how much you want to put into it. Because the drag of it is, you can put it. You can put that effort into it and not win. But if you put the effort in, you don't do well. At least you know, well, I did everything I could and golf is hard. Well, what's interesting too is that you're putting yourself out there. You're taking the risk. And in fact, you're being vulnerable. Exactly. Seriously. You, this is something that you work hard. It makes this, this is important to me. And I'm going to, I'm doing my best to perform at my best. And so when you're in contention, 
you're also vulnerable to people making judgments. Well, he had a two-shot lead and he lost with a choker. Yeah. Uh, he can never deliver under the gun or blah, 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 blah. Or... You know that's way over the top, like we said before. No, I love and, what you said, though. When you when you when you put yourself out there, makes you you're vulnerable to to whatever may happen. Yeah, and I th- we had I can't remember the fellow's name, but he's a PJ Tour caddy, and he talks about uh, guys on the tour. This is no uh, inside dope stuff, but there's guys on the PGA Tour, and I'm sure on the LPGA Tour that they're okay with not winning. Get them on a Sunday. You know, maybe they're in the lead or something. They finished uh, second or third or in the top five. That's okay because they make a nice living. Yeah. And good enough. Um, but, uh, you know, am I saying that the people who put themselves are, 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 you know, model human beings who we all must emulate? No. But I would like to, in, in anything I do, um, I think here's the thing is that if I put myself out there and I'm doing my level best, I'm going to discover things about myself that I may not have understood before. And some of them I may not like. Mm-hmm. But, you know, without getting over, t- over the top about it, I mean, isn't that kind of what we're doing, whether it's golf or all kinds of different things? Let's find out what we're really made of. And I think that's a pretty exciting thing. Uh, I agree. You know, the week before, it's funny. I just tried to. Rem- I tried to remember something. I had. I just remembered something I had done the week before the club championship. And I think I mentioned it on the show. Is uh, in part of my preparation for the tournament. And again, you know, I got a lot of pressure. You know, I could. I could have looked at it like I have a lot of pressure. I've won it before, and I don't want to give up the parking spot, etc. <laughs> but one of the things I did, and is in, I had two or three rounds. One was a tournament round. One was men's night. As I practiced. Backing off. I practiced backing off shots. That's so cool. I, I made myself, I said in this, I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back off four or five shots today. Even if I really didn't think it was necessary, the reason I was going to do it is because I want to feel what that feels like. Because as I think I mentioned on the show, whenever guys do it, including myself, I often apologize. Totally. I often go, oh, sorry, guys, uh, there was a fly in the ball or... Or just I just didn't feel comfortable. But what I did is I practiced doing it without saying anything. I said, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to say nothing. Because when you're an advocate for your own game, what anyone else that. thinks about what you're doing doesn't matter. So if you're over your second shot tomorrow and it doesn't feel right for a million reasons, and you don't step away, you're not being an advocate, you're being self-conscious about what some schmoes you barely know will think of what you're doing. And they don't give a shit. So when I say be an advocate for your game, if you can just do that, if you're not sure of the read or you're not sure you're ready or you say to some Mm -hmm. guy, even if it's your turn and you're not ready and he he looks like he wants to go... Then go, go ahead. I often, I will say that. In fact, you know, one of the guys I played the final round with is a notorious guy, and you worked with him, who just can't wait to get going. And I was like, that's fine. Either you wait for me or just go, because I'm going to take my turn. And if he doesn't, you don't like it, too bad. But that's what I mean. If you can't be an advocate for your own game, then no, because honestly, nobody else cares. Well, you know, but there are people who do care, and they would like um, 
They might snipe at you or something. They might say something about, well, you know, O'Connor, he's such a... You're off your mic again there, pal. Oh, you know, you know, yeah. O'Connor, he's such a dickweed. He's always trying so hard. You know, what about that guy? There are people who talk. Yeah, well, they can but do But you know what? I have zero control over that. Yeah. Zero. You know what? It, it, that brings me to an interesting point. And I, I want to get um, to something before we... We're going to be uh, wrapping up in about five minutes. Yeah. Um, Ten minutes. So I was really fortunate to have interviewed Marlene Street. I think she's the only... It could be male or female to have won national championships in six decades. I think she won like the the women's open championship when she was like 18 or so. And she won the U.S. senior open. uh, I think it was within the last 20 years. Anyways, like an amazing golfer, Marlene Street. And so I was interviewing her and she said that she had this reputation as being quite a bitch um when she played and people didn't like to play with her Mm. and she said she said you know what when i played in tournaments i wasn't there to talk about your husband or the kids or your career or whatever i was there to play and compete in the tournament and a lot of people didn't like that she says but you know when the tournament's over having a glass of wine after i'll talk about anything and you see that in a lot of of um, of competitors is that there's this seriousness because tournament golf, as you've described, it can be chaotic if you don't take care of things. Yep. And it's so different than casual golf. Casual golf is, hey, how about the, so the Canadians couldn't get it done or Blue Jays rotation and turmoil or whatever. But in tournament golf, it's a different deal. Now, some people, you know, Trevino would yap, yap, yap. But anyways, speaking of yapping, I want to make sure we get to this before the show. Let, is, me, let uh, me just finish on your point. And that, you know, and, you know, again, it's, I, I don't know how, how people see me is none of my business. But as one of my friends wrote me after the club championship, he said, it doesn't matter what people think. They're, they have, how he put it, he said, uh, but they have to have respect for your game and the way you work. And that's un- he said that's undisputable. He said even people that think all those things like oh he takes it too seriously or he you know f- you know he's not that much fun to play with or whatever it is they can't dispute the fact that you know you shoot the scores you shoot and they don't in competition you know because my 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 rounds on Monday were uh, thirty eight thirty nine thirty six um nice. Because I take it seriously, I don't. Totally. I'm not. I'm not not talking at all. But I'm not talking continuously, and I take the I take the shot seriously. And if I don't feel comfortable, I'll step away from it. If I don't like what's going on, I'll change the. I'll change it. And I just say to you and anyone else that wants to play in any tournament, you know, if the reason that those guys are still talking and it's like kibitzing and I heard stories in the club champion guys having beers and you know and getting filling up the cooler and I'm like that's great I've already beat those guys I don't have to worry about them the only guys I have to worry about are the guys like me the only guy that and if because there's a few of them but but the funny thing is and again back to Nicholas there ain't a lot at at the club level there ain't a lot of guys that would practice Stepping away from a shot. 
They wouldn't think of it. They wouldn't do what I'm asking you to do, which is get your bag ready, get yourself ready, make sure you're, you know, have a plan for the shot. And you're playing your home course. You know when, you know when you're in trouble on some of those holes. Just always do the 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 prudent thing because under pressure, you might be tempted after a few bogeys in a row to try not to make a bogey and you'll make a triple. So if you can just keep the, you know, the, the decade acronym, the D is, dis- is discipline. That's the biggest one. The biggest thing to overcome for golfers is to be disciplined. Okay. That's all I have to say about Club Champion. And uh, it's, it's going to rain this weekend a little bitter, you know, so yeah, be prepared yeah. for that. Yeah, uh, probably take a cart. So I was going to say, don't do walk. Yeah, I know. Because the worst thing is trying to do, because no. I have to do the push cart thing. Now and and have the the thing, but before no. we leave, I was gonna say, don't make d- Tim. Don't walk. Yes. Don't walk that course in that tournament because now you're walking around and you're futzing with the um, like you said the umbrella and towels. Take a cart. Have everything laid out in front of you. You know, all your snack can be there. Yeah, no, love that. So before we leave today, I, I we gotta share with our uh, STDs about your PB. That's pretty damn cool. Oh, I, folks, I was uh, at home this week and I got a card that showed uh, a lot of circles <laughs> and a 66. The GSL shot 60 effing six. That's amazing, pal. Well done. Giving you like the little. Uh, Thank you very zoom, much. Uh, congrats. Yeah. Well, you know, I, uh, I don't want to be blase about it. And maybe when we have uh, maybe on another show, I'll get into the minutia of it but i'll tell you a couple things very quickly it was a uh a six thousand yard golf course so it wasn't you know super long but it was very tricky it's called science hill outside of stratford and it was a very blustery day so i'm giving you some of the conditions and uh i was just out for a casual round with my girlfriend's brother and two of his friends and he had told them i'm bringing my sister's boyfriend howard out here he's a pretty good golfer and they're pretty avid golfers they all shoot in the high 80s and 90s but they play two or three times a week yeah and so they were all excited about playing with me and you know we were going to have a nice round i was going to help them out a little bit you know maybe show them a few things chipping pitching and all this stuff and um i birdied i birdied a couple holes in a row i think i I parred the first hole and then i birdied two and three and i was like oh that's cool you know that's kind of neat you know it's fun to birdie a couple holes in a row and then I bogeyed the fourth hole. I was a little simple up and down. I just misjudged the putt. It was about a seven-foot putt, and I missed it. And then I birdied six, seven, eight, and nine. And it's par It's par 70, so it's 35. And, and this is the weirdest thing. I didn't really realize I'd birdied four holes in a row until after the round was over. But I did know, because I wasn't putting those circles on the card when I was keeping the score. Oh, yeah. So I'd go... Par, birdie, birdie, bogey, par, and then I birdie in. And I got to tell you, Tim, on the 10th tee, I was like, <laughs> I was like, I just shot 30. Like, that's, I've made, I've never made six birdies in nine holes in my life. I've never made four in a row. And then I started to sort of choke. I started, I literally, <laughs> I'll be honest with everyone. I choked from the 10th tee onward. It was all I could do to shoot one over on the back nine. I made one more birdie, two bogeys, and I shot 36. 
if, if I hadn't choked, I don't know what I would have shot. But I will tell you this, just to wrap it up. I was way outside of my comfort zone. Totally. Way outside. Even though I'd shot in the 60s recently, it wasn't like that. <laughs> you know, when you look down, you see like, shit, man. I was one up and down away from shooting 29. I know. You're like on the 59 hunt. <laughs> so I will just say, though, that... Uh, you know, and my, my, I wrote, as I wrote to you in another uh, email this week, you know, the takeaway for me was it wasn't much different than any other round of golf. Like, I hit the ball better on Wednesday at Glencairn and shot 74. Like, I really hit it good. I didn't putt very well, but that day I hit it decent and I putted great. I made, check this out, I had 12 putts on the front nine. <laughs> <laughs> And, and, and when you wonder, how does a guy on tour shoot in the 60s? That's how they do it. I had 12 yeah. putts on the front nine. I think I ended up with 26 or 25 on the day. And, um, you know, if I had continued putting the way I did on the front nine, I would have shot. I, I was thinking at some point, am I going to shoot 62? But I didn't. But that's a good lesson for me that, you know, should that ever happen again, I'll go, okay, now... Now I know what this feels like because I be I was completely adrift. I really needed to somebody to pull me aside and go, okay, just try and play this next hole because I was just like, I just was out of. I didn't make another birdie for three or four more holes. I had just made oh, I, four of them. I totally get that. And gosh, I remember. Um, no, I don't know. It just it's just again it, it, it feels like we're beating a dead horse, but. The awareness you've now that you've you know you, you shot your sixty nine what was that three weeks ago or yep. so and now it's sixty six now you've got this more evidence and thus higher awareness of what happens yeah again that, and that's what we're talking about when you have these high level experiences I mean we remember those things at a high level that that's what we remember because we're in a high state of emotion yeah when you're shooting sixty six or you're you know say in contention to win a golf tournament. Your your state is up here. You're mm-hmm. like, you know, don't kid yourself. People who are got a three footer to win the Masters, hands are shaking. No, oh, absolutely. No, so, that, that, just that's congrats, the thing I'll man. say. Thank you, and I'll say this about your club championship or any tournament of significance or any tournament. Like your the 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 people think well. Well, I, I, I don't want to be nervous or I hope I'm not nervous. But, you know, there's we, we've talked about this, too, before there. If you can interpret nervousness uh, as excitement, it kind of turns it around a little bit like you will be excited tomorrow. And if you can think of it as that, like I all the same things, your your parts pumping a little bit, your hands are trembling a little bit. But it doesn't mean that you won't be able to swing a golf club because you will. Yep. Um, but I can tell you there was a few moments in that round where I was like. What is happening to me? <laughs> but, uh, you know, and I was hitting really good shots and I was, but it was the, you know what? In the end, it's just the putting. It's always the putting. And, um, you know, like I said, I was, I was hitting it really, really nicely on Wednesday. I had 15 greens, which is high for me. 15 greens. I hit almost every fairway. I had three or four, five and six footers I missed. Or that could have been 69 or 70. It's, it's, so I was just by finish by saying, if you're having trouble in your golf game, take seminars like Tim's, work on your putting and your short game. Because in the end, it really is the thing that tips the scale on almost every round of golf. Totally, totally. And, and when you're putting pretty well, I mean, from like 
you're making a lot of putts to just an average round. That host hole that sustains the other parts of your game. Absolutely. Because putting, putting is the one that gets in your head the most and just can drive you nuts. Absolutely. So. And, and that's a great Anyways, way of putting it. Thank you for uh, bringing that up. I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Absolutely. It's, it's fun. It's been so much fun, man, to watch um, your game uh, in, the, in the last month or so. That's really, really cool stuff. What's happening in your game is what golfers aspire for. You know, they see this potential, they've kind of touched it, you know, a little bit, but it's so rare that we get there. So, uh, good on you, pal. Well, well done. Th- well, thank you. And I, and I look back on the last six years of the, the journey to kind of get where I am, and then I sort of think, well, you know, it just sort of, ha- it happened by a lot of different things, but, yeah, I'd like, you know, we sh- I'd like to just sometimes look, we should go and play some of the shows that we did when we started and we were just struggling with all of this stuff and think, you know, like, what were the things that helped both of us and maybe the listeners? But I can tell you for me, it was uh, stop, uh, the, the fact that I no longer want to punch myself in the face ev- after every round is a big one. Uh, thank you very much, Jonathan Wong of Peril. Always great to uh, be dressed by jwperilinc.com and of course, uh, TaylorMadeGolf.ca, O'ConnorGolf.ca, Humble and Fred show on hiatus for a week. We'll be back on uh, Monday, July nineteenth, and uh, we'll be back with Swing Thoughts two weeks from this weekend. Thank you, Timmy. Thank you, sir. Bye. When he gets up under the lights, play his thing.